0: Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries, and our must-read daily newsletter.
1: On this week's Highways Voices, we're going international. TRB is all-encompassing. So it is from pavement and road surfacing to traffic signals controllers to traffic management operations, to academic research on new algorithms and new approaches. And now we're seeing a lot of the AI machine learning data analytics space has really taken off.
0: We hear about the major transport event, the Transportation Research Board's 101st annual meeting, which takes place in Washington DC on this week's programme. So we talk innovation that's really brilliant on Highways Voices. Highways Voices. Hearing from the people who matter in the highways industry. So we'll talk to AIMSUN's president in the US, Matthew Jukes, in a moment. But first, welcome to the first of 2022's leading transport podcasts here in the UK. We are Highways Voices. I hope you had a good Christmas and New Year break. And our break worked out perfectly for Highways News, because the two weeks we weren't reporting every day coincided with both myself and Adrian having covid how lovely. But well, we're back now, fighting fit, almost anyway. So we'll start the show, as always, with a word from Adrian Tatum and the key stories on our website.
2: News from the highwaysnews.com website this week includes a major road report for the north of England, which has been published by Transport for the North. This sets out the important role that our highways have to play as part of an efficient, effective and multimodal transport network, says the organisation. The report reveals that 97% of personal journeys in north of England use use the road network. Of these, 61% are so cars or taxis, 26% walking, 9% on buses and 2% cycling. Just under 90% of car trips are under 10 kilometres. 88% of freight movements in the north region use roads as well. Commuting and business trips account for one third of carbon emissions from cars, says the report. And in the north of England, more than 95% of 26 million tonnes of transport-related carbon emissions per year are from road transport. Also this week, Colas has been awarded the eight-year maintenance response contract for Area 9 by National Highways. Across a total lane length of around 3,760 kilometres of motorway and trunk roads, Colas will deliver reactive maintenance, incident response, severe weather response and minor works in a region that has five strategic critical motorway interchange junctions are as being at the heart of the new HS2 network and where Colas has had a long established base. Transport for London has announced that they intend to make a trial of 24-hour bus lanes permanent. This is after an initial trial found that extending bus lanes' hours on London's busiest roads cut journey times and helped reliability. Improvements in bus journey times were particularly noticeable in central and inner London, especially in both the mornings and evenings throughout Sundays. 24-hour bus lanes are also expected to improve service reliability and make journeys easier for cyclists who can use the lanes without traffic. And finally, Galliford Trier has appointed Richard Towes in the role of commercial director within its highways business. Mr. Towes has joined Galliford Trier from Volker Steven.
0: We've also run stories about Manchester-based Wejo's new platform for driverless vehicles, Swaco winning a major contract in Paris, the brilliantly named Here WeGo app's new partners, and a couple of bits of transport in the press. Unoptics' new mobile phone enforcement solution gets the thumbs up from the Daily Mail, and there's some bloke called Paul Hutton appearing on Radio Two talking driverless cars. You can read all of these plus so many more stories on our website. Remember to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Details are in the blurb and you can sign up for our daily email into your inbox every lunchtime. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tater. On the news this week on our site, we've been running stories coming out of CES in Las Vegas where there's a lot of cool tech for transport showed off as I found out when I went a few years ago and I hope to go again when travel's a bit easier. Another event I've visited in the States is the Transportation Research Board's meeting in Washington which is a huge transport gathering which again due to present circumstances I haven't been able to get to this year. So I've enlisted Friend of Highways News Amesun to help out. The company's US President Matthew Jukes is sponsoring TRB and is going to be there next week so I caught up with him to find out what's going
1: on. TRB is one of the biggest transportation-based Conferences and gatherings of both academic and professional circuits. So it really started off more as an academic research-oriented conference, but it's it's over the last ten years, decade, I'd, I'd say, a lot of the commercial side through the workshops and the sessions from the operations and the systems people, and just more of the professionals in the industry, not just the academic side, have come to it and and use it as a working place for the various committees and such. So it, it's really grown to be now a the best practices type conference out there. You know, I think it's up there from I've never been to InterTraffic in Amsterdam, but I think that's one of the other really big ones out there that this sort of rivals. I think in it's it's Heyday! It's had up to ten thousand attendees, which is pretty significant. I think this year will be um, slightly lower, but uh, you know we're we're glad to be going in person. I, I think TRB, as challenging as it has been, has made the right choice to go in person without hybrid, without a virtual. Because as as much as it is unfortunate that people won't be able to come and see some of the stuff. The hybrid stuff really limits the ability for people to come and makes it a bit more challenging for organizing how you, as an exhibitor and as a presenter and participant in the workshops, how you attend those things. So, so I think it'll be interesting. We roll with the way the times are going these days, but we're we're fully committed. We're platinum sponsor for TRB. This is our third year in a row. So when you when people open up the app. They will see Ameson first before getting to all their fun stuff. We got a lot of great comments about that uh, two years ago when we did that. And we also have a fairly large booth, uh, 20 by 20 space, where as you walk into the convention center, you essentially can see about 70 feet back, 100 feet back, this giant sail up in the air kind of looking thing that has a, the Ameson logo on it. And it's, it's quite impressive. So we're happy what part of transportation
0: are we looking at here is it technology or is it more the sort of the road surface and barriers side of things with a bit of technology thrown in i mean what what sort of it, uh, people will you be meeting during the week it,
1: it is for us it's it's the technology and and the planning type people that we trb typically is for, but TRB is all encompassing. So it is from pavement and road surfacing to traffic signals, controllers, to traffic management operations, to academic research on new algorithms and new approaches. And now we're seeing a lot of the AI machine learning data analytics space has really taken off. And so It really takes the systems engineering, the product development, the the hardware people and the core engineering bridge design and road surface design and brings it all together and and ties it in also with what academia is researching currently and and ties in a lot of the efforts that the US government takes on for the next year's funding for research Those ideas for what they want to research come from TRB. So over the two years
0: since you
1: last met in person,
0: obviously we've had the pandemic, so we've had a change in the way uh, people have been travelling. There's been more reticence to use public transit, um, but then there's also been more use of active travel, so people walking and cycling. And and almost by coincidence, during that time, the new version of Amson Next came in with walking and cycling um, uh, integrated very core to it so I guess you'll be showing that off and have a lot of people very interested in the solutions you can show off as to how they can really make active travellers part of their overall transport offering in a city
1: yes yes one of one of the things we'll be definitely featuring in our booth is the pedestrian and cyclist uh, models um, the, really for understanding how these these new not new but these alternate modes of travel interact with the vehicles on the road and, and on their trips we know that bikes don't necessarily drive down the middle of the road like a car wouldn't our bike model really simulates the bike as a bike would operate same with the pedestrian model you know back in the day we used to really model pedestrians by making really little cars that moved really slowly but then the the dynamics weren't the same so we do now have as part of our standard offering as Amimson next a true pedestrian simulator for simulating the walking interactions with cars and the walking trips throughout the network and have tied that also big into our uh, dynamic transit assignment so that it understands the trip that of walking between bus stops or to your destination from your destination but taking uh transit for the principal part of your route
0: and of course you've also got aimson live that you're showing yeah. off which is your your real time modeling now i always love the idea of this from from my background when i used to uh report on um traffic information and and ran radio traffic news companies the idea of not only having real time information but then actually being able to to do traffic forecasts 30 60 minutes into the future so you can kind of fix traffic jams before they happen has always been really exciting to me um how accurate is the stuff that you're producing and what sort of interest is there among cities in actually being able to kind of fix traffic jams before they happen
1: we try to be within a 85% 85% uh, accuracy, typical modeling standards for the volumes. But more importantly, <clears throat> we try to make sure we get the congestion within the, the min max norms of, of things for when we're predicting the typical conditions. Obviously, when you're predicting what's going to happen when an accident occurs or a congestion or construction or something, that isn't a typical condition. So there aren't necessarily the min norms. So we try to, we always try and improve through AI as we go on. One of the keys why we we are big on the simulation for these predictions is a lot of research has been done in machine learning and AI that allows you to use historical data and current data to predict out typically what would happen in the near term future. And we do that also with our AI in Amson Live. But what we short on is when you actually take it and you look at well, now I don't have a normal condition. I have a storm or I have an acc- a two-lane accident up ahead. And that's where a simulation can change the capacity and understand based on the demand what, how that's going to change the conditions. And, and with that, it really allows operators and management uh, to understand traffic management to understand how bad is the situation going to be and now test out what scenarios, what responses work best for that condition and come up with the best scenario in near real time for managing the congestion that is coming. So you're no longer managing what's happening on the road now, but you're managing what's 15, 30, 45 minutes out and trying to get ahead of the game. We're actually excited with Ameson Live because. A lot of people know about our San Diego one, but since then, we now have a number of cases, not just San Diego. We have the Florida DOT one. We did a pilot in Toronto, and we've got a number of deployments in Australia and Europe that we're going to be uh, demoing during the uh, convention.
0: So give me an idea. I know that you're not at the moment operating in uh, New York City, but seeing Manhattan behind you, what would that mean? If you were to run AIMSUN live within a city like new york what effect would that have on the traveling public
1: um with new york what you would really look at is there's a lot of different options whether it be one of the major arterials for traveling long distances through it or really when you're getting in and out of new york what's your best way for getting it should i take this bridge or that bridge what are the tolls looking like things like that so it would allow providing that information to the travelers to understand their best way, especially when something happens on one of the main entry or exit points to New York, understanding ahead of the time ahead of time that you shouldn't take the Lincoln Tunnel, you should take the Holland Tunnel or the George Washington Bridge if you're coming from New Jersey. That can be critical because we get in our conditions, like when I go to New York and I drive, I tend to take transit because I live far enough and I'm a five minute walk from the train station. But when we drive, we tend to take the same way in every time. Well, there, you have to know well in advance of the decision point, which tunnel, which bridge you're going to take in. So having that 30-minute warning to say, hey, right now there's an accident at the Holland Tunnel, and in 30 minutes, it's going to be a nightmare, take the Lincoln Tunnel knowing that in advance while you're driving, having an app up that tells you this. And I know way there are apps that help with that navigation, but this is really looking at the future traffic, not the current traffic for helping with that navigation. So it really would help in that. And, and then for people like taxis and such like that, they could optimize their route to their destinations, understanding the traffic during their trip, not the traffic that's currently on the road. Um that's the big difference is understanding how the traffic is going to evolve while you're taking a trip, especially if you're a taxi driver and you're going to one of the airports, you're not looking at a short trip. Obviously in a five-minute trip, there's not much really you can do. You just take whatever looks the best at that moment. So that's really a lot of it also under helping people understand the benefits from transit and, and being able to use transit. Part of that, though, is also in the messaging and getting it out. Once somebody's in their car, it's hard to get them out. So you want them to know the transit and how transit is going to be quicker beforehand so that they make the decision before they get into the car, even if it's to drive to a park and ride station.
0: You mentioned about the academic side of uh, TRB. How much of your week actually at the event is in learning mode and listening mode and finding out from others and how much of it is on your booth explaining AIMS and its solutions
1: to uh, existing and new customers. So this is where where we take a big commitment to TRB is I think this year it's probably our smallest attendance but we'll have 10 at least 10 people there from AIMS and so that we can man the booth and attend the sessions to learn. So we tend to try and get a, probably about a 50-50 split. Of, of course, there's a commercial side of getting the message out about Ames. And, but it's not just getting the message out at the booth. It's also getting the message out in the sessions and also learning from those sessions. What are people doing? What are the pain points in traffic traffic management? What are the new car following models that academic people are using. How are people using um, multi-threading and and multi-simulations to try and come up with uh, automated calibration and things like that. So there's a lot of learning. Um, We have a mix of our business development people, our consulting people, and most importantly, our research people. So we do try and mix things up quite well um, and, and get as much knowledge out of it as we do on the commercial side.
0: And what are the big topics in the, uh, in the US when it comes to transport at the moment?
1: If you look at what's happening in, in Europe and in Australia and other places, it's very similar to North America. And, and very much so, I think one of the biggest things in transportation in North America, obviously what everybody's looking for is how is this money gonna be spent? Um, There's obviously last year was a challenging year for finances, uh, for government funding, for everything. So now now that the bill is out there, it really is about where that investment is going to be put forward. And we are seeing a lot of, it's not about going out and building more roads. It's about using our roads more efficiently and more effectively and, and increasing the capacity that's already there or using the available capacity that's underutilized. Europe's been doing that for a while, I think, with more, you know, in the US, we've, in some places, we've got a lot of land. So you you kind of think, I'm going to build a new road. But I think the cost and maintenance of a new road versus using ITS and and things to improve that really um, does have a bigger impact. So what we are seeing in the US, really the focus being on a lot of big data, we have a lot of data now, how can we use this data to help improve things. And with that, how do we bring in things like machine learning and artificial intelligence with that big data to come up with the processes, tying that with simulation, tying that with traffic operations and really being able to advance the field um, in more of a hybrid way? I think, I think it's we're not looking to fully automate everything. We're just looking to bring the automation with the with the operators, with the human touch, because there's a certain thing, you know, we always use the term engineering judgment, but it is a true fact that's not gonna go away is at at a certain point, you have to look at things from an engineering perspective and go, yes, that makes sense, no, that doesn't make sense. um, And be able to do that and, and watch the processes take place and build confidence to get to that automated stance.
0: And we'll have more from TRB in a couple of weeks when we find out the hot topics discussed that could affect us this side of the pond. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. highwaysnews.com. That's almost it for today's Highways Voices. Before we go, one thing we have to do, which is, of course, Adrian's accolade. Adrian, who wins this week?
2: My accolade this week, well, it's it's really difficult to single out anyone from highways and transport industry that's been awarded honours in the New Year's honours list. That includes the former ICE president, Rachel Skinner, who spoke to Highways Voices last year in the run-up to Highways UK. But my accolade this week goes to the Department of Transport's former chief scientific advisor, Professor Phil Blythe, who has received a CBE in the New Year's Honours list. The Newcastle University academic has as a distinguished engineer, and has made a significant contribution to the transport sector in the development of intelligent transport systems and the use of information communications and computing technology applied to transport he also he's also been elected a fellow of the royal academy of engineering The recognition of his exceptional and continuing contribution.
0: So well done to Phil for not only getting a CBE, but also winning Adrian's Accolade this week. And also well done to Friend of Highways Voices, Jenny, as well. That's it for Highways Voices today. It's so good to be back. Next week, we'll talk road safety with the newly appointed guru at National Highways, Professor Nick Reid. We'll talk then. Highways Voices. Join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry.